All right, man. Welcome to the introduction for Crow Triple Seven Radio Podcast. This will be episode 87.5. It's a bit shorter than a normal episode. Jason and I just wanted to get one out for Christmas. It is actually Christmas Day that we recorded this. Um, Jason's going to start out in the first portion uh, that goes out everywhere to YouTube and everywhere else. Um, covering how we kind of got to where we are with Christmas, this kind of materialistic, egocentric holiday that we now celebrate. Where did it come from? What's encoded in it? Uh, what What are the historical forerunners? Uh, Jason is going to take a very abridged look at this to cover things like Saturnalia and other concerns. In the second hour, I am going to jump in and start to really cover the more nature-based alchemical, and I hate to use that word, but I don't have a different one, uh, but natural concerns, uh, which tie directly to, well, the reason that these ideas were formed initially was partially because it was historically thought that spirituality was connected with the path of the sun. In other words, as the power of the sun grows towards the summer solstice, um, this is a time for spiritual growth. And in some ways, this still ties to the modern day. After all, so much of the new programming on television comes in the fall. Well, that's when the sun is in supposed free fall in the kind of spinning orbital NASA model um, down towards the, the low point at the winter solstice. All these ideas tied up. The second hour is really quite a thing. Uh, it will be available for membership over at Crow, Crow 777 Radio. The first part is designed to get people thinking. You know, we, we all go through these holidays, and very few of the holidays we have in the modern age are not tied, in fact, to the path of the sun. So few of them that are not tied to the path of the sun. Um, the, the Catholic Church back in the day uh, had much to do with porting over older ideas that were tied in nature into the new ideas that the Catholic Church was putting forward. And even in the first part of this episode, we cover many churches, or at least a couple churches, where you can look them up online and see that inside the church itself, they're depicting the stars, the planets, Saturn, the sun. And this is nothing new. Uh, I did accounts here in the state of Rhode Island uh, where I went to St. George's, and there's the Zodiac right in the center walkway leading up to the altar in the church. Um, nothing new here, but most people don't ever consider why or where do these things come from. Anyhow, I hope everyone out there is having a great holiday, however they choose to celebrate it. Let's jump in with Jason. Cheers. All right, man. Welcome to Crow Triple Seven Radio Podcast. This is episode 87.5. This is a special edition that we are recording actually Christmas morning. Um, and it's going to have to do with exactly this time of year. Um, Jason and I are going to address some things about Christmas and, of course, the sun. Uh, there are very few holidays in our existence you can point to that don't relate directly to the sun in some way, shape, or form. And there's a reason for this. Anyhow, welcome and happy Saturday. Saturnalia Christmas Solstice Day, Jason. And it all comes back to Saturn and the sun, doesn't it? The Christmas, the <laughs> merry mass of Christ. Yeah, for this day, it certainly does. Um, so much of it to do with the sun. But of course, as you're going to get into here, uh, you, you can't march away from Saturn uh, with regard to what we call Christmas in the modern age. No, we can't. And uh, you ready to start this? Yeah, I guess we might as well just jump in. Um, if we're fortunate, we'll get an edit together and I'll get this out quickly, so I'll just kick it straight to you. Little backstory here. In Greek mythology, Aether, or Aether, was one of the primordial deities. Aether is the personification of the upper air. He embodies the pure upper air that the gods breathe, as opposed to the normal air breathed by us mere mortals. 
So people remember from you know the the podcast that we've done, the idea of ether, uh, the experiments done by Mickelson and Morley, which Einstein dismissed, um, claiming there was an ether. Here back in mythology, we have references to this very same idea to refresh some memories. Mickelson and Morley did experiments that demonstrated there was in fact an ether and claimed there had to be for light waves to propagate through something to reach your eye. Anyhow, back to you, Jason. Next, we have Uranus who is the primal Greek god personifying the sky. He is the son of Aether, who had multiple children, and his name in Roman mythology was Calus. In Greek literature, Uranus, or Father Sky, was the son and husband of Gaia, Mother Earth. According to the Hesiod's Theogony, Uranus was conceived by Gaia alone, but other sources cite Aether as his father. Uranus and Gaia were the parents of the first generation of Titans and the ancestors of most of the Greek gods. One of those, the youngest was Cronus. So here it comes. Cronus. Drop me a beat, Jason. Put it in 4-4 time. Let's talk about Cronus. Go ahead. Cronus, Cronos, or Cronos with a K, was the leader and youngest of the first generation of Titans, the divine descendants of Uranus, the sky, and Gaia, the earth. He overthrew his father and ruled during the mythological Golden Age until he was overthrown by his own son Zeus and imprisoned in Tartarus. Cronus was usually depicted with a harp, a scythe, or a sickle, which was the instrument he used to castrate and depose Uranus, his father. In Athens, on the twelfth day of the Attic month of Hecatombeon, a festival called Cronia was held in honor of Cronus to celebrate the harvest, suggesting that, as a result of his association with the virtuous Golden Age, Cronus continued to preside as a patron of the harvest. The festival was also celebrated in parts of Ionia, and in these places the month was known as Cronian after the festival. Cronus was identified in classical antiquity with the Roman deity Saturn. The Romans held this god in a much higher regard than the Greeks and also held a festival in his honor every year that could be said that is uh, still being celebrated today, literally today. Yeah, right. So uh, as you're describing the initial kind of celebrations that were done around Kronos or Saturn, uh, we're talking about the harvest time here. So probably it roughly translates to the modern calendar. If I had to guess, uh, probably they're a little off. It'd be July and August or something like that. I don't think it makes it into September, but it might. But you're about to push it forward. Um, to the adoption uh, of our use of the idea of Saturn or Saturnalia or Kronos in the uh, in the winter months coming up on the uh, the low point of the sun, the winter solstice. Right. Saturnalia. It was an ancient Roman festival in honor of the god Saturn, held on December 17th of the Julian calendar and later expanded with festivities through to December 23rd. The holiday was celebrated with a sacrifice at the Temple of Saturn in the Roman Forum and a public banquet, followed by private gift-giving, continual partying, and a carnival atmosphere that overturned Roman social norms. Things such as gambling was permitted, which normally were not, and the masters would provide table service for their slaves. The poet Catullus called it the best of days. It was the Roman equivalent to the earlier Greek holiday of Cronia, as we just discussed. And the interesting thing is many Christian scholars believe that late summer, early fall would actually be the approximate time of Jesus' birth, as opposed to the late December, December 25th, which was merely an invention of the later Roman Catholic Church to integrate the pagan beliefs with the Christian beliefs. 
All right, man, I like how you thread the needle there at the end without being a dick about it, but there's a couple things here. Um, first of all, the idea of sac sacrifice at the temple. There are accounts that you can look up that will claim this was a human sacrifice, and you've got to bear in mind, this is when the sun is coming at its low point. Um, the second half of this show, we're going to get into the sun and the winter solstice side of things after we kind of do the relationship here back in mythology uh, that relates to this time of year that we've kind of adopted into our own religious traditions in one way, shape, or form, but they still encode what they encode. The idea of having a sacrifice at this time of year has directly to do with the sun because it's thought it used to be thought of as if this was the rebirth of the sun. In other words, when we came through the summer solstice in June, or yeah, June, when the sun's at its high point, the, the power of the sun is declining all the way down to what is marked now as, as December 21st, the low point of the sun. There's even claims um, that the sun does not move for three days and then begins to rise again, the whole rebirth idea of the sun. Uh, nothing to see here, folks. Move along, move along. I'm not going to make any religious references, though many people will. Um, so I just wanted to get all that in there, Jason. And that's the point where you're saying that the sun is in the astrological sign of the Southern Cross, which is where we get the, the cross, died for three days and was reborn, which did not happen in what, what's now considered the Easter time in the spring, but actually in late December. Yeah, so many of these things are tough to unravel because the ideas are still encoded in all the holidays we have, but without the key to that encoding, uh, it becomes very confusing for folks. Um, but, you know, it's all there. There's no getting away from it. It's all there. There is scarcely a holiday that came in religious traditions that does not directly derate, relate to some portion of what the sun's doing. But in this case, um, you know, for whatever reason, Saturnalia was adopted, the ideas of Saturnalia. And and then kind of poured it over with how we have Christmas now. And I'll point out, um, you know, in this last bullet point, you were showing how lawlessness was tolerated for some period of time, a few days during the Saturnalia celebration. Um, this has a relationship to Christmas time because in the ideas of astrology or astrotheology, the winter solstice falls under the sign of Capricorn. Capricorn the goat is symbolized by the knees, which we've covered in other episodes, like going to the crossroads, falling down on your knees. It's the very same reason here, um, the idea of Capricorns being encoded. But it represents this time of year to, from an astrological standpoint, represents materialism and the ego. And so you can relate that directly to how we do Christmas now. It's all about materialism. And if you even go back to the Saturnalia celebration, that you're referencing, lawlessness and rape and murder and sex and drunkenness and all these things were literally tolerated, uh, which is in fact echoing the ideas that this is a time of materialism and ego. But anyhow, Jason. Saturnalia is a festival of light leading to the winter solstice with the abundant presence of candles symbolizing the quest for knowledge and truth. The renewal of light and the coming of the new year was celebrated in the later Roman Empire at the Dies Nautilus Solvis Invicti the birthday of the unconquerable sun on December 23rd. Although we are now led to believe that Saturnalia is the holiday in which people during the winter conserved the kindling of Mother Nature by bringing evergreens into their homes. So as you can see, a lot of the symbolism for Christmas is already shown just in this one festival alone. 
Right. And I would point out again, um, if you know, it's almost like so much of the information has been sectioned off into different belief systems. Like if you're a person who studied astro, astro theology or some form of astrology that's still used in many cultures like Tibet and others around the world, um, even in China to some degree, although they're still working off a lunar calendar using a true moon or trying to use a true moon, what you'll find is uh, the idea of Saturnalia at this time of year around what we call December 17th is about light, um, you will find endless references to Saturn being Satan from the astro viewpoint. And so here we have the Luciferian idea of a festival of light. Um, what, what would you say about that, Jason? Well, that's it. And this is, again, where it gets all interesting with the whole illumination, light, Lucius, Lucifer, Satan, Saturn, by all, like all these things are very intertwined. And as you said, we don't quite have the exact key to unravel it all, but it's all there in some way, shape or form, it seems. Yeah, it's almost like for, for my part, you know, my studies have taken me so far afield across so many different kind of belief systems and and even, you know, totally unrelated places you could go to do research. What you find is when you look at things in this way, you'll find a key here and a key there. And if you stuck to any one line of research, you probably wouldn't come across it. But what you begin to understand is that it's all representing an older idea. Uh, the problem is, is understanding what the older idea originally was is the difficult thing to unravel here. Um, and that's kind of why we're doing this episode, just to show people some of the roots of how we got to where we are. Uh, because so many people don't take the time to think, why are we buying presents and having Christmas and doing all these things right now? Part of it's about the sun, but there's also a big part of it, which we're covering here, goes back into antiquity, whatever that might be, if there was a supposed Roman Empire. But we do have the mythology that supposedly comes from that time, and it too is encoding information about these ideas. Right. Now, during the time of Saturnalia, peace was said to have prevailed, and all wars were temporarily stopped and the courts were closed. Now, that sounds all good and positive. Government offices, schools, as well as some businesses would also be closed, very similar to today. But the festival would begin when Roman authorities chose an enemy of the Roman people to represent the Lord of Misrule. Each Roman community would select an individual whom they would force to indulge in food and other physical pleasures, a lot of which might be sexual in nature, throughout the week of the festival. At the conclusion of the festival, the Roman authorities believed they would be destroying the forces of darkness by sacrificing this person whom they had chosen to represent the forces of darkness. Like the majority of pagan festivals, Saturnalia had an astronomical correspondence, as we have been discussing, this one being when the sun reaches its furthest point from the Earth and its renewed journey back. Saturnalia is considered a celebration of the sun's triumph over winter and the continuation of life, hence the birthday of the unconquerable sun. By modern reckoning, the winter solstice is usually on December 21st or thereabouts, but in ancient times, with the use of a different calendar system as we have discussed quite often on this show, it fell on December 25th. The winter solstice is the shortest day of the year and the longest night. Saturnalia is a time to join with family and friends, albeit with a serious sense of debauchery attached to it, to celebrate the gods, the sun, and the coming of spring and life renewed. 
So we still have these same ideas, Jason, just kind of watered down uh, where maybe sex, drugs and rock and roll as it's being you know, interpreted here doesn't come into it. We have a, a strong sense of materialism um, and there is partying, right? And there is overeating and there is over drinking and these ideas of the Lord of Misrule come into it. It's hard to know if there truly was back in the day any true kind of human sacrifice done in the way they're describing it. But the idea of sacrifice itself is relatable directly to the sun in this time of year. And the idea behind it is that population uh, of any given living thing is static. And if you want more of something, you have to kill off you know, something living now to get more of this thing. It's it's a similar idea to going into a rainforest, burning down a few acres so that you can grow something else there. If you take that apart to its roots, it's a similar idea. And I can't tell you whether it's true that human sacrifice ever went on, um, but I can tell you to a certainty that in Christmas, we have carried these ideas forward in the form of ego and materialism in a big, big way. In 312 AD, the Roman Emperor Constantine converted to Christianity despite being raised in the Sol Invicta cult, which had as its central figure the Sun King. So again, we see this whole sun symbolism revolving around and also intertwined with Saturn symbolism. This may have ended the persecution of Christians in the Roman Empire, but Christianity did not become the official religion within a day. The cult of Saturn was said to have clung on for quite some time, and Saturnalia was still celebrated for at least into the next century. All right, so you can imagine, you know, it's hard to know if if these historical accounts hold any water uh, in the literal sense, but you can imagine that if there were all these traditions in a time and some emperor stood up to the table and said, guess what, we're going to do it this way now, um, that you're not just going to erase the older traditions that everyone have been doing. And if you logically try to reason out if it's possible, almost certainly what would happen is you would begin to blend the older belief systems into the new way of doing things. And it seems a logical conclusion that maybe that's what happened, although it's very difficult to know because as we all know, history is a lie agreed upon. So I guess the main question here for me still is, was there ever a guy named Constantine? I don't know this, but we do have the historical accounts. So it seems likely that at some point, older traditions did in fact morph into what the church was doing at the time. And that's what we see here. It's just that most people are unaware that wrapped up in the traditions that we're still celebrating are the ideas of Saturn and are the ideas of the cycle of the sun, or or basically, in modern parlance, the acceptable year of our Lord, which is about the sun. Go ahead, Jason. December 25th was assigned as the birth date of Jesus Christ by Pope Julius I in the year 350 AD. This brought clarity to a question that had divided Christian believers in different areas for many years and legitimized the practice of celebrating the nativity. By the end of the 4th century, most Christian denominations had been recognizing December 25th as the birth date of Jesus, even though they really don't think it was in the in the winter. Right. That, that's what I was going to mention. You know, you can talk to any number of people who follow the Christian tradition, and they'll many of them will have a different idea of when the supposed birth of Jesus is. But nonetheless, here we have the main church, the central church of the time, the Vatican, uh, hooking it up to the 25th. And that's a telling thing. So it doesn't, you know, in my view, it doesn't matter uh, what the true date would be um, for this conversation. Uh, what matters is what did the church do? Why 
why did the church do these things? And I think it's exactly what we're pointing out here. Um, there are these older ideas that needed to be maintained, so they just became encoded into the newer ideas that were being added on, in my view. Right. And, and there's a lot of uh, inferred ideas that if there was a physical person who was born to be Jesus, the person wouldn't have been born in with the the story as given in in the wintertime because of the rains that occur in the Middle East and th- they wouldn't have made sense with the rest of the story. The, the Roman emperor wouldn't have commanded people to go traveling during this dangerous time. They It wouldn't have happened. It didn't make any sense at all. Yeah, I've seen endless arguments, Jason. The, the, the arguments to try to determine that are almost as tangled a web to unweave as, as what we're addressing here. Uh, a lot of people have said September for a lot of reasons, and then a lot of people have even said June. I've seen other accounts uh, where they make the argument. To me, um, these are unimportant things. I mean, it's just a day. You know, if really the, the idea here is to grow spiritually, what day a thing occurred, um, well— <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to end up going exactly against what I'm saying here but the idea that the day is the important thing to me is really not if you're on a spiritual quest the idea is the spiritual ideas that come out of it and although what I just said is going to fly absolutely in the face of the alchemical ideas where it's where the sun is that is directly tied to spiritual growth but that's a whole other conversation right and even in the Christian Bible I I believe I don't know if it's the literal words words of Jesus or not, but celebrating his birth is not the idea, but following the, the paths that he set out is the important part. Well, for me, that's always it. You know, even, you know, I've done a lot of studying of Buddhist ideas. Um, and even in the kind of scriptural text that you can come across, there's supposed, you know, history of the Buddha saying, don't worship me, don't put up things for me, which actually ended up happening. He goes, I'm not the important thing here. Um, each of you is the important thing. Each of you now has a path to travel, a spiritual path. Um, but you can see what happens with people. You know, we always end up making statues and altars and all these other things. Um, And in the Buddhist tradition, supposedly the Buddha flat out said, don't do these things. Don't make shrines to me. Don't worship me. Don't try to make me a god. Um, The spiritual thing is the important thing. So, I mean, it happens across all traditions where we get wrapped up in the details when really, truly what it's about, supposedly, is spiritual growth, in my view, anyhow. And I agree with that. It absolutely should be. By focusing on, on the individual, you're not really getting the bigger picture. Right. And that plays directly into the time of year we're talking about that's so closely tied to Saturn, Jason. It's about materialism and ego, isn't it? Um, and that's not good for a society. And so I would argue that uh, as a spiritual marker in the year, it just isn't. It's it's doing the exact opposite of what a spiritual holiday should do. And it's even symbolized in the history we have from supposed Rome, where they're going to do three or five days, whatever it was, of lawlessness. But the idea was, we're going to get this out of our system. System, then we're going to do this supposed sacrifice, and it ends right there. Then we're back to the grindstone here. Um, we don't have these ideas up in modern Christmas. You know, it ends, and then, you know, it peters off to whatever. But the truth of it is, is we're all tied up in materialism and ego this time of year. And for my money, that is so far away from any spiritual endeavor as to be ludicrous on the face of it. But that's just my point of view. Now, the other part of it that got integrated into modern Christmas would be Yule or Yuletide or Yule time. It was and still is today, actually, a festival observed by historical Germanic peoples. This festive time has been connected to the celebration of the Wild Hunt, 
the god Odin or Woden, and the pagan Anglo-Saxon Modranit. The event would last for 12 days, which is where the 12 days of Christmas notion comes from. It would later undergo a Christianized reformulation, which would result in the term Christmastide. Today, Yule is also used at times as a synonym for Christmas, as I'm sure many people are aware of. Current Christmas customs and traditions such as the Yule log, Yule goat, Yule boar, Yule singing, and others stem from this original pagan Yule. Today, the event is celebrated in heathenry and some other forms of modern paganism. So you can see how the older ideas that were handed in supposed histories uh, tie much more closely with the natural world. We're talking about the wild hunt here. Well, why? Well, it's simple, because when we came by September at the vernal or fall or the uh, the autumnal or fall equinox, that was it, man. Harvest was over. By the time October is out, there are precious few things left that anyone's going to be harvesting. And that means one thing. That means you're going to kill animals in a lot of parts of this world to exist. And so that's really what's being, you know, uh, celebrated here is that this is part of the year we have to do, but now we're killing things. That's what's being pointed out here. Um, And not only that, as you come into the winter months, they're always an allegory for fire and ice as hell, a harder time. We can't wait till we get past the low point of the sun. So the days will grow longer. We can get back to spring because in spring, baby, that's living. You see, those are the ideas that are being held in all this, and it's really a, quite a a huge leap from where our holidays have come because they're really not tied, most of them, to any natural ideas that truly matter in our lives. For most of us, we have a grocery store. We could give a damn if there's gonna, you know, if anything's being hunted or harvested. We don't even think about it. But you see, when you get back to nature, there is a reason for these things historically, and they actually factually do correspond with a legitimate part of how people had to live. And that, in my view, is how they came to be important and why they're still echoed today. And that is all about the path of the sun, in my view. Jason. Let's talk about another aspect of Christmas, which is Santa Claus. Nicholas, who was named a saint in the 19th century by the Roman Catholic Church, was a priest or a bishop or something along those lines who was present at the Council of Nicaea. There are various stories of miracles attributed to him, a large amount of which have to do with the giving of gifts. So he was also called Nicholas the Wonder Worker. A cult sprang up about him called the Cult of St. Nicholas, which started as early as the 4th century in the port of Myra, which is in the southwest of what is now considered the country of Turkey. This is actually where Nicholas died on December 6th, but the exact year is unknown. His mortal remains had been buried in a church outside the city walls and were brought to Bari in Italy in 1087, where they have been venerated ever since. The Nicholas cult spread north until it was adopted by German and Celtic pagans. These groups had their own mythological beings they worshipped, led by Odin or Woden, the chief god, and who was the father of Thor, Baldir, and Tyr. Odin was described with having a long white beard and rode a horse through the heavens one evening each autumn. When Nicholas merged with Woden, he shed his Mediterranean look, grew a beard, mounted a flying horse, and changed his flight plans to December, donning heavy winter clothing for the journey. Now, in a bid for pagan adherence in Northern Europe, the Catholic Church adopted the Nicholas cult and taught that he gave gifts, and they should as well, on December 25th instead of the original December 6th. 
So there's so much tied up here, Jason, but I'll just suffice it to say this. Anyone can go look at the ideas in this country, in the United States, of Madison Avenue where marketing was developed. Um, and you can see how marketing was brought to bear on the idea of Santa Claus. There are a ton of people out there that will draw the parallel to the Luciferian ideas going on here, even you know considering Saturn or Saturn um, to Satan, which is the astrological ideas behind this time of year, and uh, when the when the winter solstice sign falls in Capricorn, uh, you have a guy dressed in red who's coming down into the place where you have fires. It's a secret. You lie to your children. Material is wrapped up into it because it's going to be all about gifts and these other things. But from the point of view for the average American person, I invite you, go look at what Madison Avenue had to do in terms of marketing with inventing what we accept as part of Christmas now. It's not only not that old when you break it down, but it seeks to kind of wipe away everything Jason just told you, where there are roots to these ideas, um, and they were adopted, and they were all pagan. All of them were pagan in their practice. And I would point out to anyone, um, so many people come and make comments that want to belittle the word pagan or someone who might be pagan. It just means someone who dwells in the country. That's what pagan meant. So what you're looking at here are traditions from people who lived close to nature, and that's what this is about. So it's a bit narrow-minded to go at this in a different way. But I think it's critical that we take apart the things that we do in the modern age and try to understand why we do them or where they came from. Anyhow, Jason, I'll give it back to you to wrap up the first portion here. Now, I, I could definitely say that social engineering is heavily involved with the materialism that became completely tied in with Christmas, and I think you would totally agree with that. Absolutely. There is no getting away from it. And the whole buying of the gifts for Christmas can be highly attributed to the Macy's department store in New York City starting in 1874. This store presented a $10,000 scene of imported dolls that started the lavish tradition of Christmas window displays and gave birth to the occupation of window dressing. New York City Christmas shopping eventually became a popular tradition as a result of this, becoming sanctioned by U.S. presidents and New York City socialites. The following year after Macy's first Christmas window display, the Christmas card was introduced from England and soon became a widely adopted part of U.S. Christmas tradition as well. This all led to the commercialism now associated with Christmas, the whole thing being much more a festival for businesses to make gobs of money as opposed to being any sort of family event or spiritual notion. Right. So here's the social programming, as you state, Jason. And, you know, this is Macy's. We're not far from Madison Avenue here, the marketing center. I would invite anyone to go look up what role Coca-Cola played in adopting the Santa Claus imagery and getting it out to the people. This was the way we celebrate Christmas in the United States is pretty much social engineering designed to do one thing, um, push materialism and make it big business. Um, that's what it's about. And it's just a happy accident, not that the winter solstice falls in the sign of Capricorn, which represents materialism and ego. And these ideas go back to the oldest accounts, which Jason and I have just gone through, that we can find. So there is absolutely a tie to this time of the year for the ideas of material and ego. Ego, all the way back to the lawless time of Saturnalia in the supposed Roman Empire, all the way up to what we do now. It's all similar versions of the same thing, but it has nothing to do with spirituality. As a matter of fact, it has everything to do with going the opposite way of anything that would be much of a spiritual tradition, in my view. In my view, if you're going to spiritually grow, probably materialism and ego are the furthest 
most unhelpful things you could be engaged in if truly that's what you're about. But anyhow, Jason, what would you add? Well, while we wish everyone a happy and healthy holiday time, we just want everyone to be aware, if in case they weren't, where all these things come from and what they mean and very likely what they don't. Right. And so what we're going to do in the second half of this is we're going to break down the ideas of the sun. And this ties directly to what the church later adopted as the acceptable year of the Lord. Um, They outlined it with 12 saints representing the 12 months of the year, which were actually the sun playing a role or doing what the sun does in each acceptable month in a year of the Lord. Um, So many of the holidays that we celebrate now have aspects of the sun hidden within them. And, you know, we live in a new modern time, and it's time people took the time to recognize the natural system around us and to get back to some of the ideas that were hidden and obscured in so many of the holidays that we have. And Christmas is a great example. Um, For my part, I don't really do. I get with my family. I spend time at Christmas time or what we call Christmas time, but I don't get wrapped up in the materialism. That's not what it's about. We have a meal together. We share time together. For me, um, it's time to grow up out of the materialism and the egocentric ideas that have been brought here. Um, And while there probably was a good reason for them back when people were eking out a living in a more nature-based world, uh, there's really, in my view, there's no place for that. Now, we don't have to do it. There's no, you know, there's no reason to do these things as far as I can see. Anyhow, Jason, anything you want to add before we click over and jump into the, uh, the kind of solstice ideas? Well, as with so much with social engineering, it all ties back to money and the businesses sucking out of us and, and profiting from us. And that's what I see this Christmas time as being nowadays. It actually disgusts me. I, I love the concept of getting together and, and appreciating each other as family and friends. But what it has been turned into and what it is in 2017 is pretty foul. I'm not cool with it. Yeah, how many times, Jason, this time of year has your reliable newscast come on and told you that this is either going to be a good Christmas season or a bad one because we can read the future? And the real trouble here is all these poor business owners are in the black right now. And for them to get in the red, this whole year of doing business is dependent on Christmas. That idea has been with us for most of my lifetime, and I'm not even kidding. And it goes to show what's going on here. Um, There's more to life than money and buying and selling and materialism so much more. And I would suggest that much of the social programming, most much of the obscuring of what holidays true meanings were when they were connected to some natural thing, it, it's truly about leading people away from any sort of a spiritual path that they could find. And as we jump into this next portion, which has directly to do with the path of the sun, the ideas that are held in alchemy, the solstices, the equinox, I'm going to try to demonstrate a little bit of these older ideas where spirituality was tied directly to the sun, where if the sun was growing in power, these were times when your spiritual growth could occur. And in much of what Jason just read, we basically covered the time when the sun is falling from the summer solstice all the way down to the winter solstice. And even in the outlines Jason gave you, the predominant idea here is that people are becoming forgetful and spiritual concerns are declining all the way down to the winter solstice. Anyhow, that brings us to the top of the first portion of episode 87.5, a special Christmas edition. Hope you'll join us all for the second part where we dig into the solstice. There it is, man. Cheers. 